Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 64. And as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Color podcast, I'm in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis. And this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets and, in particular, how economic data influences asset prices. And in connection with that, we have some good news, and that is that the first draft is now ready and has been submitted to the editor for their review and comments. I will keep you posted on the progress. So this week, we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 28th week of 2023. That is from Monday the 10th to Friday the 14th of July. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamuhuri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in America, where during the month of June, inflation in the United States fell to its lowest annual rate in more than two years. This was confirmed by the Consumer Price Index, which measures inflation for a broad basket of goods and services, and this increased by 3% on an annual basis and was the lowest level since March 2021. And on a monthly basis, the same index rose by 0.2%. Stripping out the volatile food and energy prices, the core consumer price index rose by 4.8% over the past 12 months and 0.2% on a monthly basis. This latest data confirms that inflation is indeed slowing down from its peak of around 9% that was recorded exactly one year ago in June 2022 and was the highest inflation rate since November 1981. However, inflation is still running well above the Fed's 2% annual target level and traders are still pricing in a strong possibility that the Fed will enact a quarter percentage point rate hike when it meets on July 25th and 26th. And in addition to the Consumer Price Index, the Producer Price Index, which measures inflation at the producer level, was released on Thursday and confirmed that inflation was indeed slowing down in the United States as it registered a smaller than expected increase of just 0.1%. And across the Atlantic in the United Kingdom, mortgage rates have risen to a 15-year high, 
increasing the burden on homeowners and raising fears of another mortgage crisis similar to 2008. Mortgages in the UK have risen sharply following 13 consecutive rate hikes by the Bank of England. And most recently, the central bank increased rates by 50 basis points to 5%, which affected homeowners as interest rates on most mortgages are directly linked to the Bank of England base rate. According to data from Moneyfax, the average rate for a two-year fixed-rate mortgage now stands at 6.66%, which is the highest level since August 2008 during the global financial crisis. And in the U.S. stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose on Friday as strong earnings results from some of the biggest banks and companies kicked off the earnings season. Investor sentiment was also lifted by softer-than-expected inflation reports, which suggested that the Fed's tightening cycle may be coming to an end, and that was good news for risk assets such as stocks. The 30-stock Dow Jones added 114 points to close at 34,509 and marked its fifth consecutive day of gains. Meanwhile, the S&P 500 dropped 0.1% to settle at 4,505 and the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite declined by 0.18% to end the session at 14,113. On a weekly basis, the Dow Jones was up 2.3% and recorded its best performance since March, while the S&P 500 added 2.4% and the Nasdaq gained by 3.3%. In the U.S. bond market, on Friday the yields on U.S. Treasuries recovered from a two-day slide that had been ignited by the cooler-than-expected inflation reports that were released on Wednesday and Thursday. The yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond rose by 5 basis points to 3.811%, whilst the yield on the policy-sensitive 2-year Treasury note climbed over 12 basis points to 4.738%. Despite the weaker-than-expected inflation reports, the Fed has reiterated that the battle against inflation is far from over, and as a result, the market is broadly pricing in a quarter-point rate hike at its next policy meeting later this month. For your information, bond yields and prices are inversely correlated. That means that as interest rates rise, bond prices fall and vice versa. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil fell more than a dollar a barrel on Friday as dollar strengthened and oil traders booked profits from a strong rally that saw both benchmarks recording their third straight weekly gains. Brent crude was down 1.8% to settle at $79.87 per barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate fell 1.9%, to close at $75.42 a barrel. Oil prices gained nearly 2% on a weekly basis after supply disruptions in Libya and Nigeria heightened concerns that the markets will tighten in the coming months. 
Meanwhile, Marban oil, which Kenya imports, rose to $81.31 this week, compared to $77.66 the previous week. And in the precious metals market, the price of gold eased off on Friday but still managed to record its biggest weekly gains since April. This was after signs of cooling inflation sparked hope that the Fed would pause its rate-hiking campaign. This past week, bullion hit its highest level since the 16th of June after data showed U.S. inflation was cooling down, prompting bets that the Federal Reserve may soon end its rate-hiking cycle. And as a result, the price of gold gained 1.65% for its best week since April and closed the session flat at $1,964 per ounce. And in the cryptocurrency market, cryptocurrencies were headed for a winning week after a decision on Thursday fueled a sharp and broad rally across the crypto market. The court decision saw Bitcoin on track for a 3% weekly gain and was set to finish above $30,000 per coin. And on Friday, the price of the flagship cryptocurrency was trading lower by 1% at 31251 US dollars. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. We start by looking at the foreign exchange market, where during the past week, the Kenyan shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies, but remained relatively stable and resilient versus the regional currencies. According to data obtained from the central bank, the Kenya shilling was trading at 141.29 versus the US dollar, compared to 140.78 the previous week. However, commercial banks were still selling the US dollar at between 144 shillings on the lower side to above 150 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 183.27 and the euro was valued at 156.39. And on the regional front, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 25.98 Ugandan shillings and 17.31 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc, it was posted at 8.26. The current trend in the forex market indicates that the Kenya shilling will continue to depreciate versus the US dollar as well as against other major currencies. And this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt which now stands at 70% of the gross domestic product and which consumes about 60% of total revenue collections, which means that for every one shilling that the Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 60 cents will go towards servicing our national debt. On foreign exchange reserves during the past week, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves increased marginally by $19 million to $7.481 billion, which is equivalent to 4.09 months of import cover. And this meets the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. This is the first time the past six months that Kenya's foreign exchange reserves have risen above the required threshold, and this was attributed mainly to the $1 billion loan that was recently received from the World Bank. 
However, this loan facility is only a stopgap measure and does not begin to address Kenya's underlying problems, which stems from excessive borrowing that has pushed our national debt to unsustainable levels and increased the probability of a sovereign debt default. On diaspora remittances, the inflow of remittances in the month of June 2023 totaled $346 million, and this is compared to the $326 million that was received in June 2022, which was an increase of 6.1%. Meanwhile, the cumulative inflows for the 12 months to June remained steady at $4.017 billion. The inflow of remittances continues to support the country's current account, as well as the domestic foreign exchange market. The United States remains the largest source of remittances into Kenya, accounting for 54% of the total remittances received in June 2023. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market improved significantly during the past week, supported mainly by government payments into the market, which exceeded and more than offset tax remittances to the government. The excess reserves that are held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 28.3 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate declining to 8.57% compared to 9.53% the previous week. During the past week, the average value that was traded in the interbank market declined slightly to 14.3 billion shillings from 14.9 billion shillings that was recorded the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 13th of July, and the central bank received bids totaling 36.4 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of about 152%. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, about 33.3 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate increased by 9.5 basis points to 12.10%, whilst the 182-day rate ticked up by 7.2 basis points to 12.27%, and the 364-day rate shot up by 20 basis points to settle at 12.45%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. In the primary bond market, the July Treasury bond auction was held on Wednesday, the 12th of July, and the central bank received bids totaling 51.7 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 40 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of 129%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 38.57 billion shillings, which was split as follows. 
for the first bond that is a reference number fxd1 stroke 2023 stroke 005 this was a new bond issue with five years to maturity and the central bank accepted 15.7 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 16.84 percent which is now the new coupon for this bond and for the second bond, which was reference number FXD1 stroke 2016 stroke 010, this was a reopened bond with 3.2 years left to maturity and the central bank accepted 22.8 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 16.32% vis-a-vis the coupon, which is at 15.039%. In the secondary bond market, turnover in the domestic secondary market increased by 14.5% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds recorded a mixed performance as the yield on the 10-year eurobond that matures in 2024 decreased by 80 basis points from 13.3% to 12.5%. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the past week, the equities market was on an upward trajectory with the NASI and the NSE 25 each gaining 2.3%, whilst the NSE 20 gained by just 0.4%. However, their year-to-date performance remains in the red with losses of 10.5% for the NASI, 3% for the NSE 20, and 7.5% for the NSE 25. The market's performance was mainly driven by gains recorded by large-cap stocks such as Equity Group, Kenya Commercial Bank Group, and East African Breweries, which increased in value by 7.6%, 3.4%, and 3.3% respectively. These gains were, however, weighed down by losses recorded by other large-cap stocks such as Diamond Trust Bank, and British American Tobacco, which declined by 4.7% and 2.1% respectively. Meanwhile, foreign investors remained net buyers for a fifth consecutive week with a net buying position of half a million dollars. However, on a year-to-date basis, foreign investors remained net sellers with a net selling position of about $254 million. On Kenya's national debt, the latest data from the central bank indicates that Kenya's national debt, as at July 2023, stood at 9.82 trillion shillings, and this was just shy of the revised debt ceiling limit of 10 trillion shillings. The national debt was divided between domestic debt, which stood at 4.73 trillion shillings, and foreign external debt that was valued at $37.47 billion, which is equivalent to 5.09 trillion shillings. Next up, we look at the topical issue for the week. And this week, we are looking at Kenya's revenue collection for the previous financial year. The Kenya Revenue Authority collected 2.17 trillion shillings for the financial year ended June 2023, translating to a growth of 6.7% compared to the previous financial year. However, despite the growth, the authority fell short of its revenue collection target 
by 107 billion shillings, which it attributed to the harsh economic environment prevailing in the country. Against a target of 2.27 trillion shillings, the taxman managed to collect 2.17 trillion shillings, which was 95% of the target, and marked the first time that the agency has failed to meet its revenue collection targets for two consecutive financial years. The acting Commissioner General said that the revenue performance reflected the prevailing economic conditions especially the deep in projected economic growth of 5.8% in the financial year 2022-2023 compared to a growth of 6.5% in the previous financial year that was 2021-2022. However, despite the harsh economic environment, the Kenya Revenue Authority is still expected to collect about 2.7 trillion shillings for the current financial year, that is 2023-2024. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color Podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color Podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Please subscribe and remember to turn on alerts to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhurig at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, the purpose of life is not just to have, but to be. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.